Hello, beautiful humans and sexy souls. Welcome back or welcome to another episode of Healing, Growing, Evolving, the podcast. And it has been a while since we've chatted, since I have come on here and recorded or upload any episodes. And I hope that during this time, everyone has been doing well and finding time for yourself, for your wellness, for your happiness. And I just wanted to start this episode off by giving a little insight and vulnerability as to where I've been, what I've been up to. And point blank period, my mental health has been in the gutter. The past three years, the summer months, have had a tendency to send me into a very deep, deep season and portal of healing and reflection and learning and shedding and releasing and starting in July up until about honestly a week ago I've just been heavily experiencing that and I've been struggling as I've been experiencing that if you are into astrology at all or follow astrology During these summer months, a lot of planets have been in retrograde, and if you don't know what that means, you don't know astrology terms, retrograde periods often involve revisiting the past, and that is heavily what these past few months have been for me. Revisiting past lessons, people from the past have been coming back, old habits and cycles have been returning, repressed memories have been coming to the surface and it was just a lot a lot of emotional pain and mental turmoil like throughout all of this my brain has just been such a freaking bully and has been honestly a very dark place trying to convince me to give up on my healing on my growth on my evolution to just return back to who I was the self-sabotaging version of myself that walked around with a bunch of wounds. It's been trying to convince me to give up on this podcast, on my coaching business, on trying to grow in social media and not to be too dark, but I always try to be as vulnerable as possible. At times, my brain was trying to convince me to give up on life altogether. But one thing that I have learned throughout my life and a pattern that I have recognized is that it always gets really, really, really fucking hard before the next level up, before your next layer of evolution. And breakdowns lead to breakthroughs. So that's what I've been doing. I've been allowing myself to breakdown so I can experience those breakthroughs. I've been taking this time to return to myself and to address things that maybe I've been ignoring or maybe I haven't been ignoring them. I just wasn't ready to address them until now and I've been taking this time to get to know my my brain and my heart and my nervous system a little bit better and learning what is no longer working for me and what is going to work for me and support me in this season of my life. I've been doing a lot of inner child work and revisiting my childhood and a lot of inner teenager work. One thing that has been really, really helping me in this season of life is revisiting the teenage version of myself and doing a lot of the things that made her happy and made her feel confident. And despite the 
mental and emotional struggle that I've been experiencing over these past few months. I have hit so many amazing milestones and had so many wins with my physical health. I remember just two years ago, every day I was in pain, crying on the bathroom floor, begging to be where I am at today with my physical health. So as the other areas of my well-being haven't been doing the best, I've been really holding on to that and celebrating that and reminding myself that it gets better. That got better and so will this. Moral of the story is I've been going through it. My head has been underwater and I have been drowning and I've really just been trying my best to find ways to stay afloat, not even to swim, just to stay afloat. But me coming on here today, recording this episode, getting back into podcasting is going to be a way that I help myself start swimming again. And I tell you all of this just to remind you and to show you that I am human too and I struggle. I know that I come on here and try to talk to you all about how to heal and I encourage you to prioritize your health and your well-being. But that doesn't mean that I always have those things figured out for myself or those things are always going perfectly. And I'm learning that I don't need to hold shame for my struggle and I'm here to tell you that you do not need to hold shame for your struggle either. A lot of people that I've talked to or based on polls that I've done on my Instagram over the past few months, I feel like as a collective, a lot of us are struggling and going through similar things as myself and I just want to remind you that you're never alone and that you're not supposed to be blooming all the time. It is okay if some seasons are for rest and doing the inner work and it is okay if in some seasons you are shedding and you are falling apart and you are breaking down because it is just a season and you will bloom and you will thrive and you will keep moving forward again. But I am happy to be back here recording and chatting with you all and sharing time and space with you once again. So let's do it. Let's get into this episode. Today is all for my highly sensitive people and we are going to be talking about what exactly it means to be a highly sensitive person, some signs that you could be a highly sensitive person and the experiences of people with heightened sensitivity. We're going to talk about how sensitivity is such an incredible gift and how you can harness this gift, this superpower, but we're also going to talk about the times when it can feel like a horrendous curse, but I'm going to give you some tips on how you can survive those times and steps you can take and self-care practices you can adopt to make your sensitivity feel like less of a curse. We are also going to go over trauma and stress and how that looks different for a highly sensitive person and also how healing from trauma, from stress looks a bit differently for highly sensitive people. And This episode is honestly inspired by things that I have been working on within myself lately over this little break that I've taken with the podcast 
one thing that has come to the forefront of my awareness over these past two months, these summer months, is what it truly means to be a highly sensitive person and how this shows up in my life and impacts my well-being and my happiness and my peace and the way that I walk through this world. For so, so long, my I was numb and my sensitivity was stolen from me. But the more that I have healed, the more wide open my sensitivity has become. And that has come with a learning curve. And I have had to really adapt the way I walk through life and cultivate the proper tools to feel safe and secure in this new embodiment of myself. And that's my goal with this episode, to help you do the same thing, to help you feel safe and secure and confident in your sensitivity and how to shift from it being a hindrance to your well-being to it being one of your greatest gifts. So what is a highly sensitive person? And highly sensitive person can be also abbreviated as HSP, so you may hear me say that throughout the episode. But the first thing that I want to make clear is the term highly sensitive person is not a mental illness or a mental health diagnosis. It is just a way of describing a subset of people. The term was coined by a psychologist named Elaine Aaron, I think that's how you say her name, in 1991. And in her research, she found that about 15 to 20% of the population met the criteria for high sensitivity. And I would assume that that number may vary a little since that was a few decades ago. I've found some research that says about 30%, but overall about 15 to 30% of the population is what is known as a highly sensitive person. And what a highly sensitive person is, is someone with an increased or deeper central nervous system sensitivity to physical, emotional, or social stimuli. So the brain of a highly sensitive person processes all information very deeply. This includes emotions, thoughts, and sensory input. And it has been found that there are profound differences in the brain of someone with high sensitivity. These individuals have more activity in the brain areas related to empathy, emotion, and reading social cues, as well as the part of the brain known as the seat of consciousness. So at its core, to be highly sensitive is to have a heightened nervous system, therefore leading to heightened inner and outer experience. So everything that goes on inside of you or outside of you, to say it nicely, feels fucking intense. Highly sensitive people are very aware and very attuned to themselves and to the world around them. And being highly sensitive is about so much more than just emotional sensitivity. Yes, that is a huge piece of it, but it goes beyond that. And I think that is something that 
not a lot of people fully understand about sensitivity. And it could be something that you may not even understand about your own sensitivity. Because oftentimes the emotional aspect of it can be the most noticeable. I know for me personally, like I said, over the past few months, I have become wide open to my sensitivity and that has come with a lot of realizations of how that sensitivity shows up in my life beyond just the emotional aspect of it. So let's go over some of the traits and experiences of a highly sensitive person. And I want to pause for a sec and remind you that what it means to be a highly sensitive person for you and your experiences as a highly sensitive person are going to be unique to you. Again, this is not a mental health diagnosis or illness, but for comparison's sake, the same way that depression or anxiety or PTSD shows up differently for different people, it's the same thing when it comes to being highly sensitive, meaning some of these traits or experiences may not resonate as heavily with you or some may be more noticeable or prevalent as others. But I'm about to read some statements and these come from Elaine Aaron, the psychologist who originally coined the term highly sensitive and studied this group group of people. And this is her quote-unquote criteria for highly sensitive people. And as I read them off, I want you to take a mental note or write down which ones you agree with about your experience. So we have, I am easily overwhelmed by strong sensory input. I seem to be aware of subtleties in my environment. Other people's moods affect me. I tend to be very sensitive to pain. I find myself needing to withdraw during busy days into bed or into a darkened room or any place where I can have some privacy and relief from stimulation. I am particularly sensitive to the effects of caffeine. I am easily overwhelmed by things like bright lights, strong smells, fabrics or sirens close by. I have a rich, complex inner life, so meaning meaning you think about things really deeply. I am made uncomfortable by loud noises. I am deeply moved by the arts or music. My nervous system seems so, sometimes seems so frazzled that I just have to go off by myself, so meaning you have to self-isolate a lot to feel better. I am conscientious. I startle easily. I get rattled when I have a lot to do in a short amount of time. When people are uncomfortable in a physical environment, I tend to know what needs to be done to make it more comfortable. I am annoyed when people try to get me to do too many things at once. I try hard to avoid making mistakes or forgetting things. I make a point to avoid violent movies and TV shows. I become unpleasantly aroused when a lot is going on around me. Being very hungry creates a strong reaction in me, disrupting my concentration or mood. 
Changes in my life shake me up. I notice and enjoy delicate or fine scents, tastes, sounds, and works of art. I find it unpleasant to have a lot going on at once. I make it a high priority to arrange my life to avoid upsetting or overwhelming situations. I am bothered by intense stimuli like loud noises or chaotic scenes. When I must compete or be observed while performing a task, I become so nervous or shaky that I do much worse than I would otherwise. When I was a child, my parents or teachers seemed to see me as sensitive or shy. And again, those statements are coming from the original psychologist who studied and coined all of this. And she says that if you answered yes to more than 14 of the questions or statements as true for yourself, you are probably a highly sensitive person. But she also says that if fewer than 14 questions are true, but some are extremely true, you are also still most likely a highly sensitive person. And again, there is no true diagnostic criteria for what it means to be highly sensitive. And some of those statements are pretty specific. So let's talk about it in more broader terms, right? So highly sensitive people are deeply affected by other people's emotions and moods as well as their own. They are easily overstimulated. They are extremely observant and intuitive. They might cry often. They are very empathetic. They can be sensitive to rejection or criticism, and this can also show up as fear of being perceived. They may need a lot of time in isolation. They dislike violence. They have rich imaginations and are highly creative, right? So hopefully by this point, you're starting to see how some of these things may be showing up in your life. And if this is resonating with you, you are starting to realize that you are indeed a highly sensitive person. And I'll briefly give a few specific examples of how my own sensitivity shows up in my life. I am a crier. I cry a lot. I cry at everything. And that is my nervous system's way of regulating itself when it's overwhelmed. I am deeply affected by collective pain and trauma. I cannot watch the news because I become too engulfed in what is happening in the world and take on all of those problems as my own. Certain lighting makes me physically sick. I remember my freshman year of college, I had a psychology class in an auditorium and the lighting was super weird in there and every time I left that class I had the worst headache and what I when I would be in class I would dissociate and I never knew why that was happening and now looking back as I'm able to compare that to other experiences where I've been exposed to similar lighting I realized it was due to my sensitivity this one is kind of gross but roadkill when I see it, I have to regulate afterwards because it disturbs me so much. I need a lot of time in solitude to feel good. And when I do spend time in large groups of people, if I do not have something to anchor me, 
I will find myself dissociating because it is so overwhelming. And oftentimes I also need to take breaks when I am in social settings to come back to myself. So that looks like going to the bathroom to regulate very frequently. Loud unexpected noises really bother and startle me to the point of rage and panic. Like when my dog starts randomly barking and won't stop, that is such a trigger to me. I find deep meaning in just about everything, like the silliest things that probably mean nothing, I am going to find a meaning behind it. And I feel at a depth that feels indescribable at times. Heavy emotions, especially loss, I feel physically in my body. And that's a huge one for highly sensitive people is feeling loss very deeply. And I mean, By the age of 21, my body was so chronically ill and shutting down and I realized, yes, it was due to constant stress and trauma, but even more so due to my heightened experience to those experiences, right? Trauma and stress I experience at a heightened level and that's what made me so sick. And those are just a few of my many experiences I have had slash do have as someone who identifies as a highly sensitive person. So if this is resonating with you, if you are saying to yourself right now, yep, this is me, I am a highly sensitive person and you are still with me, let's talk about how sensitivity is a superpower and how we can harness it as such. First and foremost, the first step to harnessing your sensitivity as a superpower is releasing any shame or negative self-view you have about it. Fuck what you have been told about being sensitive. A lot of us, as a collective, have been conditioned to view sensitivity as being weak or fragile, and it has this bad connotation to it. And we as people are horrible at continuing this narrative amongst each other, and I think this especially rings true with men. And I know I do not have the lived experience of a man, so I'm not trying to speak on their behalf. However, What I see portrayed on social media or in movies or shows or songs and what I am able to assume through conversations and interactions that I have with men, they are encouraged not to show emotion, not to feel deeply, to hide their inner experiences, their mental health, and to keep working on their career, their money, their quote-unquote success, their ability to provide, right? There is this narrative that men have to be tough and to have feelings, much less deep ones, makes you less than. And men can be highly sensitive people too. This term or this identity isn't just reserved for women, but Women, I don't want you to feel left out of this conversation because we are not. We are too often conditioned to feel shame for our sensitivity. And oftentimes, speaking from experience, 
this comes from men. And we could talk for a whole nother episode on how the way that men are conditioned to view their own sensitivity and their own emotions is reflected in the way they treat women who are in touch with their sensitivity. And it keeps us in this perpetual cycle of resentment and division between men and women. But that's a topic for a whole nother time. But on top of this collective conditioning that may contribute to the shame you feel about your sensitivity, this conditioning could come from parents or caregivers, other family members, friends and peers, teachers or coaches. Any experience you have had where someone has made fun of you, laughed at you, yelled at you, punished you, neglected you, abandoned you, abused you for your sensitivity, you need to address and heal that experience and its associated shame in order to find peace with your sensitivity and to unlock its gifts. And you don't just need to address shame you feel about your sensitivity as a whole, but also the ways in which your sensitivity is reflected in your personality and embodiment. For example, like I said, I cry a lot and I have had to do a lot of inner work to release my negative self-view on how much I cry. Throughout my life, my crying is something that has caused me to experience a lot of mistreatment and I've had to learn to heal from those experiences and learn to grant myself the permission and safety to freely cry when I need to. Because like I said, crying is one of the main ways my nervous system chooses to intuitively regulate itself in times of overwhelm. And in order to own my sensitivity, I had to, en- had to learn to embrace that part of me. Another example, I feel a lot of shame and embarrassment almost for how much time I need in solitude that I need alone with just myself and just my energy. And this is something that I am still actively trying to work through and release to this day at my age, which is 24, so mid-20s. There is a huge societal norm to go out and party and be involved in social gatherings. And don't get me wrong, There is a time and place for that in my life and I do enjoy those things at times when it is with the right people. However, for the most part, that type of stuff overwhelms me. And as someone who did used to be a party girl, now that I've experienced this shift and I do say no more often to large social gatherings and I do need to take a lot of breaks to come back to myself when I am with groups of people. And I've had people in my life project their own negative view of solitude onto me. I have had to and still do have to do a lot of work to reframe how I view my needs and to accept them rather than shame myself for them, right? So as you are de-shaming your sensitivity, you also need to de-shame all of the things that come with it. And by releasing this shame, you are giving yourself the permission to let this piece of you be seen 
and embodied and you are helping to regulate your nervous system. Therefore, in turn, you are lessening the chance of experiencing the downsides and tough parts of sensitivity. And you do this de-shaming by revisiting those experiences that have caused you to have negative beliefs about your sensitivity and you rewrite the narrative. You welcome these pieces of you with open arms. You acknowledge that there is nothing inherently wrong or bad about sensitivity and you remember that and I want you to listen to this closely. Anyone, whether that be a single person or a collective of people who have caused you to believe that your sensitivity is shameful, is simply out of touch with their own emotions and their own inner and outer experiences. Or they are projecting their own conditioning that they have experienced in regards to their own sensitivity and feelings And because they have been taught to suppress, your ability to express is triggering something within them. And that realization right there has brought me so much healing when it comes to reclaiming my sensitivity. I am full of personal examples today, but for instance, my father was one of the main culprits of me suppressing my sensitivity for so long. In my childhood, he treated me horribly when it came to my emotional sensitivity. But over the past seven years with his passing, I have been able to cultivate such a spiritual connection with him. And one thing that I've realized or come to the conclusion on is that I think he was a highly sensitive person. I think he was a deep feeler, but I think he was taught to suppress that or he was never given a safe space to let that piece of him be seen and I triggered something within him. I was a mirror for his own sensitivity, but because he kept that part of him hidden, he tried to make me do the same thing. He was taught to feel shame for his own sensitivity, so he, in turn, shamed me for mine. And when we start to realize that and we start to understand that the way people treat or view pieces of us is simply just a projection of their own view on themselves or their own conditioning, and this goes for everything, not just sensitivity, We allow ourselves to start to rewrite the narrative, to break cycles, to take away that shame and replace it with acceptance, compassion, and celebration. And that acceptance, compassion, and celebration is what will support you in harnessing the gifts of being highly sensitive. So let's talk about some of those gifts and how we can use them. As we have said, Highly sensitive people think and feel very deeply, and this is an excellent catalyst for creativity. If you do not have a creative outlet for your sensitivity, find one. That could be art such as painting or drawing. could be writing, which is my personal favorite, dancing, singing, or music, photography, film, content creation, cooking, anything that gives you that bridge between your deep inner world and the physical or outer world. 
And I want to remind you that you do not have to be quote unquote good at whatever you choose to create. Creating has nothing to do with being good enough and everything to do with self-expression. But I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Chances are that you are good at creating because you have that depth and that rich imagination. Like I said, writing is one of my favorite ways of expressing my deep feelings and thoughts. And I have found over the last year specifically that I am actually kind of good at it. My writing, my words hold power and I like what I write. I think I am a good writer, but I also want to remind you that what you create does not have to be seen by anyone else but you. You are allowed to keep your art to yourself. And this is something I have to remind myself a lot as someone who does put a lot out there into the world. You can and you should create just for the sake of creating as a highly sensitive person. Because not only is this one of your gifts, it is also an excellent way to take all of that energy that is within you and get it out so it doesn't stay trapped in your nervous system and end up overwhelming you. On top of high creativity, another gift of highly sensitive people is we are extremely intuitive. And I think this is one of the best gifts of all because once you learn how to tune into and listen to your intuition, it is game over and no one can tell you shit. What is your intuition? It is that piece of you that knows something to be true and you have no idea how you know it. You just do. It is that voice in your head that gives you those calm messages about what you should or you shouldn't do. It's when your body or nervous system has a reaction to a person, place, or situation and you aren't sure why it feels off but you know that it is. It is that gut feeling. It is that instinctual inner guidance system. It is your built-in compass. Highly sensitive people are constantly processing so much of what is going on around us and within us, and a lot of that processing is unconscious because consciously we cannot process the amount of input we are taking in. But the things that we are unconsciously processing are reflected in our intuition, in the message messages it is trying to give us and in our nervous system responses. But how do we tune into our intuition? We start trusting those gut feelings, our body's reactions, that inner knowing. It really is that simple. You start trusting yourself. When you are hanging out with or around someone, you pay attention to how your body feels. Does it feel tense and like you can't relax? That is your intuition talking to you. That is your intuition telling you that person is no good for you. Or when you are going to make a decision about something, you spend time in silence or you meditate on the decision and you listen to what those voices are telling you to do or you tune in to how your body feels when you think about each possible option. And this takes practice, but the more you listen to your intuition, 
the more you will start to realize that it is right and it has your best interest at heart and the louder it will become and the less you will start to ignore what it is trying to tell you. And on the contrary, another great way to start trusting your intuition more is to look back on the times you didn't trust your intuition and evaluate where that led you. I can look back to so many times where my body, nervous system, and gut were telling me, no, this isn't for you, and I didn't listen, or I allowed other people to convince me that my intuition was just me being crazy but I ended up having to pay the price and clean up the damage that was caused by not listening and now I am able to see that I should have trusted my intuition and I am able to make the decision moving forward to honor what my inner compass is telling me. Your intuition is like a built-in magic eight ball and in a world full of so much external noise it is such a gift to have and to be highly connected to that internal guidance system because it is not going to steer you wrong like all that other external noise is going to try to do. So on top of creativity and intuition, what are some of the other gifts we possess as highly sensitive people? We are highly empathetic. We are passionate. We experience high vibe emotions such as joy and gratitude with such intensity. We are able to see beauty and meaning even in the littlest of things. We often live from our heart center rather than our egoic mind. And I could sit here and list off reasons upon reasons as to why all of those things and more are such incredible gifts and superpowers. However, you are going to find more meaning and more power in your gifts when you validate them yourself. While we highly sensitive people may share some of these similar traits, your sensitivity superpowers are going to be unique to you and you need to discover those within yourself and you need to find your own unique ways to celebrate them and let them be seen. Look back at the times where you have experienced joy with such intensity or you've extended empathy to a friend or you've created meaning in the mundane or you have just been so, so, so passionate about something and acknowledge where those experiences have led you and what they've given you and find ways to keep gifting yourself that and allow yourself to cultivate more confidence in yourself and in who you are through your sensitivity strengths. Recently, I have come to realize that one of my biggest gifts with my sensitivity is my deep capacity for love. I find people so incredibly easy to love, and not just romantically, but I have so much unconditional love in my heart for everyone and everything around me. I am able to see someone's darkness and love them anyways. I am able to extend love to a stranger that I know nothing about and that I will never see again. And the way that I love my dog is just so obvious and pure. I am just truly such a lover girl. And lately, I have found so 
much confidence in that aspect of myself. And I think it is so incredible and admirable that even when love is not returned to me, mine never runs out, right? So do the same thing. Find those strengths within yourself and celebrate them loudly. Affirm them. Let them shine. Like I said in the beginning, about 15 to 30% of the population is highly sensitive, meaning not everyone gets to experience life the way you do. And in my opinion, highly sensitive people get the opportunity to have the most meaningful enriching experiences during their time here on earth and that is so freaking special so acknowledge that and don't take that for granted now let's switch gears and talk about those times when sensitivity can feel like a curse but how we can not only survive through those times but thrive because we are processing feeling thinking attuning constantly and at such an intense depth, we are very easily overwhelmed. Everyone, highly sensitive or not, has what is called a window of tolerance. And this is the zone or the capacity at which we are able to effectively and healthily process emotional arousal and sensory stimulation. Highly sensitive people have a lower window of tolerance, and this is what causes us to get overwhelmed or dysregulated much easier. And when I say dysregulated, I mean this in two ways. One, physically, meaning our nervous systems are sent into activation, so a fight or flight response, and immobilization, so a fawn or freeze response, much easier. And two, emotionally, so emotional dysregulation, meaning heavy emotions become too heavy to hold and we lack the skills to regulate through or bring ourselves out of that emotional response we are having. And this can look like emotional reactivity or on the other end, shutdown. So let's first talk about how we can combat nervous system dysregulation and how we can support ourselves when we do become dysregulated. First and foremost, you need to become consciously aware of your specific triggers. This could be noise, light, large crowds of people, the news, or certain types of media, too much caffeine, and again, Your triggers are going to be specific to you, but start paying attention to what is going on around you and within you when you notice yourself entering a fight or flight response. So that could look like anxiety, a racing heart rate, stomach pains, sweating, or a freeze or fawn response, which could look like zoning out, dissociating, feeling depressed, people-pleasing, right? And by becoming aware of how you are reacting to certain environments is going to give you the clues of A, what you should avoid, B, how you should prepare for when you know you cannot avoid, and C, how you can help yourself come out of a response. 
I gave this example in the beginning, but loud unexpected noises is something that triggers a response in me. My dog is a serial barker, and this is so dysregulating to me. It either A, sends me into fight and I get very angry, or B, sends me into freeze and I dissociate so I can drown it out. And I work from home, so I am around her and her barking a lot. But what I have learned has worked for me is wearing headphones and listening to music so I cannot hear her, right? This is my way of trying to avoid that trigger that is going to overwhelm me, overstimulate me, send me into that fight or flight, that freeze or fawn, that dysregulation response. And I've given this example a few times, but large crowds or groups of people is another trigger for me. If I am not careful, if I am not regulating, I will dissociate in these situations. I will be sent into that freeze response because I am processing so much energy, emotion, and stimulation. And this is an instance where I cannot always avoid this trigger, right? I can avoid my dog's barking by listening to music, but I can't always avoid being in large groups of people, large crowds. I mean, I could, I could probably find a way to do that, but I do enjoy these types of settings at times. So what I have learned works for me is like I said, going to the bathroom or a space where I can be alone to take a quick quick break and do some deep breathing or some somatic shaking or just for an opportunity to check in with myself, to pull myself out of that energy, out of that stimulation, right? So managing a highly sensitive nervous system is all about becoming aware of your specific triggers and cultivating your specific toolkit of regulation skills. I have a list in my notes app on my phone of what I like to call anchors And anchors are things that have proven to have a high effectiveness rate at helping me regulate. And I have different types of anchors for different situations. One that I can do in private, ones that I can do in public, ones that are quick and easy, ones that require more intentional time. Again, music is without a doubt one of my most effective anchors. Music has always been a safe haven for me throughout my life and such an effective way for me to ground and come back to my body. And if that anchor is available to me, if listening to music is an option when I am dysregulated, I'm going to do that. But there are instances where I might not be able to play music or I might not have headphones on me, for instance, in public. So I also have anchors such as doing a butterfly hug, If you don't know what that is, it's just wrapping your palms across your chest and tapping side to side. Or one of my favorites for when I'm in public and I don't want attention drawn to me while I regulate if I can't take a break and step away to have some alone time is taking my hand and gently squeezing each of my fingers of the opposite hand for one minute each and then pressing my palm. I think this is called... Japanese hand relaxation technique. I think that's where it originated. I'm not exactly sure. Don't quote me on that. But this is a great one that can be done subtly if you are in a crowd, if you're at a grocery store and the lights start bothering you or it's too noisy or you just can't escape and you need a way to regulate. I love that one. 
nature and water, so swimming or taking a bath, are other very huge anchors for me. And I find myself leaning on these when I have maybe ignored my overwhelm for a little too long. And now I have to do some damage control and really carve out that intentional time to bring myself back to equilibrium. And these are just a few of my own examples. I encourage you to start creating your own list of anchors. And it might take you some time to figure out what works best for you, right? And that's okay. I also want to remind you to try your best to not hold shame or guilt or embarrassment or anger if you feel like you get dysregulated, quote unquote, too easily. Because all those emotions will do is continue to dysregulate you. You are not weak. You are just incredibly attuned. Now let's talk about emotional dysregulation. The same way that highly sensitive people can experience emotions such as joy and gratitude at such intensity, the same is true for unpleasant emotions such as loss, grief, sadness, heartbreak, and I'm sure you already know this, but this is often where I think that being highly sensitive can feel like the biggest curse. At least, I know personally for me, that is the case. And I need you to hear me loud and clear for what I'm about to say. No matter how painful, uncomfortable, or gut-wrenching these unpleasant emotions feel when they arrive, you cannot run from them. You cannot avoid them. You must feel them. Highly sensitive people are more susceptible to depression and not because we are experiencing negative emotions more often, because that's not always the case, but because when we do experience these negative emotions, the intensity of them can cause us to suppress. We may suppress because we do not have the proper tools to hold ourselves through that pain, or because of the shame we talked about in the beginning that we are conditioned to feel. But you must let yourself feel and release these emotions. Does allowing yourself to feel and release look like having a reaction that is going to harm you or someone else? No. It looks like letting yourself cry when you feel sadness crushing your heart. It looks like punching a pillow when you feel anger taking over your body. It looks like physically moving your body and letting that energy travel through you. It looks like turning to a creative outlet like we talked about a bit ago and turning your sorrow or rage into art. It can look ugly and messy, but you have to let yourself feel your emotions all the way through. And I know it's painful, trust me. Just two weeks ago, I was gripping onto the bathroom sink with a level of physical pain in my heart that felt like I it was quite literally going to kill me. But I cried and I screamed and I felt and I reminded myself, which I want you to remind yourself too in these intense moments, is that you are not your emotions. They are not you. You are simply just the vessel through which they are passing through and they are visitors and visitors are temporary. No matter how intense it feels, it will pass as long as you do not attach. I also want you to remind yourself that 
whatever emotion you are feeling at such intensity, you have that same capacity to feel the opposite. Now, I don't want you to gaslight yourself or try to control your emotion, but rather use this as a reason to hold on. If you are feeling intense anger, remind yourself you are capable of intense joy. If you are feeling intense grief, remind yourself you are capable of intense love. Hold on to the hope that this too shall pass and soon you will get the opportunity to experience the gifts of sensitivity. It is also so crucial that as highly sensitive people, we have safe and supportive people and relationships we can lean on through these times. A huge struggle with being highly sensitive is the feeling of loneliness that can come with it. And this loneliness can come from A, needing a lot of time in solitude and this getting in the way of forming connections, but B, more so, feeling misunderstood. When you experience life with such depth, it can feel incredibly hard to feel connected to those who do not experience life in the same way. But what I want you to know, and this is what I am having to learn myself too right now, is that people do not have to understand what you are going through in order for you to allow them to hold space for you. Meaning, even though someone may not fully understand it, they can still be there for you through it. So I know that it is scary, but try to explain your sensitivity and the way it affects you to the people in your life. And if they respond with openness and empathy and compassion and love, let them be there for you, even if they don't quote-unquote get it. However, if they do not respond in that way and they make you feel negatively about your sensitivity and they perpetuate more of that shame, that person probably needs to get cut off of your life. But if you do need that relatability, someone who understands, my DMs are always open at Carson Kelber on, D- on Instagram, on TikTok. But something I also find really helpful to give me that layer of understanding is finding works of art such as poems or songs that I feel portray high sensitivity. Yes, I know it's not the same as having that one-on-one connection, but it does help. And that's the thing about us highly sensitive people. We appreciate art and music. I don't know if I have any Mac Miller fans on here who listen to me, but He is my absolute favorite, and I just know that he was a highly sensitive person because his songs so frequently put my, put words to my exact thoughts or emotions. So find artists like that, find poems, find songs. Also, social media is another great way to find that relatability if you struggle to find it in real life. Again, I know it's not the same as that one-on-one connection, but it does help. I promise you. So if you need that, search for it. It is out there. And again, let people in your life who want to be there for you, be there for you. Even if they don't understand it again, this is a lesson that I am really having to learn right now is to let 
people will be there for me, to try to let people understand me. And even if they don't understand me, they still are there offering space for me through these times. And that's that's special. That's important. Having people that don't get you but still love you is so special. So if you do have that, try not to push those people away even if you feel like they don't understand because having those safe connections is so, so important as a highly sensitive person because we do experience these intense, painful emotions and sometimes we can't hold it all on our own and that's okay. Sometimes we do need other people there for us and that doesn't make you weak. Now, the last but certainly not least thing I want to talk about is trauma for the highly sensitive person. And this is where things can get a little more complex and everything I'm about to say comes from my own research but also my own personal lived experience. A symptom of trauma or PTSD or CPTSD can be hypersensitivity. However, trauma alone cannot create a highly sensitive person. But I have seen people out there that invalidate the identity of being highly sensitive and say that that all comes from trauma. However, as a trauma-informed care practitioner, so someone who studies trauma, as someone who had CPTSD, someone who does identify as a highly sensitive person, I heavily disagree with that, and we're going to get to that in a second. But highly sensitive people are also more susceptible to trauma. And I want to remind you that when I say trauma, I am not referring to the event itself, but rather the wound or imprint it left behind. And the reason highly sensitive people are more susceptible to trauma is due to that lower window of tolerance we talked about, as well as a more sensitive nervous system and being so attuned to everything, right? Highly sensitive people have that lower window of tolerance for stress. So of course, chronic stress or chronic trauma is going to affect us much easier. But I want more so to talk about healing trauma as a highly sensitive person rather than our increased risk of developing trauma. So when it comes to hypersensitivity in the terms of a symptom as trauma, this is caused by nervous system dysregulation from the trauma itself. So your nervous system is holding on to the memories of the trauma and its associated arousal or response. And that hypersensitivity is triggered by things that remind our nervous system of the original trauma. And that does lower or decrease your window of tolerance. However, we can heal this. And when we heal our trauma, we are increasing our window of tolerance and returning it to where it was before the trauma occurred. But now let's talk about highly sensitive people. Our window of tolerance is already much lower than the average person. And when you add trauma on top of that, it lowers it even more. Now, as highly sensitive people, can we still heal our trauma and increase that window of tolerance? Absolutely, yes. However, increasing that window of tolerance when we heal from trauma 
is still only going to return us to that lowered window of tolerance that we have as highly sensitive people. You can heal from trauma, but you cannot heal from being a highly sensitive person, nor do you need to heal from being a highly sensitive person. And I want to talk about very briefly how trauma and being a highly sensitive person has played out in my own life. I've been on a journey for several years of healing from a lot of complex trauma. And I have had so much freaking success and I am so proud of myself for the work that I have done on my own to heal some really heavy shit. But for about the past year, now that I look back, I realize it's because about a year ago I moved into a new environment. However, for the past year, there have been times where I feel like I've gotten worse. I feel like I am very easily dysregulated. I am very emotional and I've always felt things very deeply, but even more so this past year, just like absolute gut-wrenching emotions. And these days, I just need so much time in solitude to feel happy and healthy and calm within my energy. And over the past few months, all of this, or a few months ago, this started to really build up and really affect me. And up until a few months ago, I was still attributing all of this to trauma. I was getting stuck in a healing trap. I was digging and digging and digging and being so hard on myself thinking that none of the work that I've done to heal my trauma was working and that I was failing and that I was only getting worse. But a few months ago, I had this epiphany, this realization, Carson, your trauma healing is working. You did heal from your trauma. The stuff that is dysregulating you right now, that is causing you to experience what you are, is not from your trauma. It is from your sensitivity. You are an inherently sensitive being. And all of this is actually a sign that I am getting better. And my trauma healing did work because I've de-shamed how I felt about my sensitivity and I'm letting these pieces of myself be seen and I'm embracing these pieces of me and I don't need to. I can't heal my sensitivity. It is just who I am. I did increase my window of tolerance from trauma, but the baseline that I return to is just simply inherently lower than the average person. And there is nothing wrong with that. And having this realization has allowed me to equip myself with the tools and skills I need to safely and confidently walk through this life in this new embodiment with my sensitivity wide open. And it has allowed me to truly tap into the gifts of my sensitivity in a way like never before. I was numb and shut down for so long and now I am home to myself, to my sensitivity. And all of these realizations have brought me such incredible peace in my healing journey. And I tell you all of this because if you are a highly sensitive person who is healing from trauma as you heal your trauma and the experiences that stole your sensitivity from you, and as you become more aware of your sensitivity, 
It may feel like you are getting worse, but I am here to tell you that you are not. You are just returning home to yourself, and I do not want you to get stuck in the same healing trap that I did. I will say it again. You can heal from trauma, but you cannot and do not need to heal from being a highly sensitive person. It is such an incredible gift, and does it come with a learning curve as you awaken to it and embrace it? Yes, but does that mean you are getting worse No. This is where I'm going to go ahead and end off today's episode, and I hope that at least one thing I said brought you at least one more ounce of peace with your sensitivity. I'm happy to be back here and chatting with you all, and I am so grateful that you are sharing your time with me and you care enough to listen to me ramble on and on, but I love you all so, so, so very much. And as always, you are worthy, you are deserving, and you are capable.